the Sluts and Scholars. Thanks for tuning in. Sluts and Scholars is a sex-positive, shame-free educational podcast where we try to help you talk smart and fuck smarter. While we love to give advice and resources, please note that this podcast or any emails from us are not intended to be therapy or a replacement for therapy. Want to hear more? Follow us on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Sluts Scholars, or check out slutsandscholars.com. Hey, Nicoletta. Hey, Simone. <laughs> we're been, feeling really silly and awkward because um we have decided to do an episode just us um which we haven't done since the very beginning yeah this is a talk about a throwback thursday um we have not done an episode just the two of us since well the great master debaters and online sexual things yes when we talked oh, about our experience yay. of cyber sex and porn yeah, well, we, we just wanted to kind of talk to everyone about our year and how things have been going with the podcast and catch everyone up and maybe tell you a little more about ourselves our and lives. how this journey has been. Babe, it's been like over a year and a half. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. What is this? Our paper, our paper anniversary. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, each anniversary you're supposed to, there's like a list of like things you're supposed to give. And your first one is paper. Your second one is like wood. Your third is like porcelain. You don't know about this. No idea. You don't know about, and that's very funny. Well, anyway, paper. Oh, that reminds me, we should start our Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) We'll give you a piece of paper. You can give us $50 for a piece of paper. (laughs) No, I was just thinking that like paper, like is like money. And oh. we should get money. <laughs> yes, money is good. Anyway. Okay, so t- where really are cool you to right be talking now? to you. Oh, Nicoletta, funny you asked. I'm at home in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> are you from Paris, Simone? Are you, did you go to Stanford? Um, I think it, the first thing we could talk about is just like how we've been adjusting to being separated. Uh, not like separated hey. emotionally, but physically separated. Um, so Simone obviously started law school as we've been talking about in September. Um, how has that been going for you? Fuck. (laughs) I mean, it's been, it's great. It's very different from what I used to be doing. And, um, you know, it's ups and it's downs. It's very, very time consuming. I'm extraordinarily grateful that I've still managed to carve out the time and space to do this podcast. But at the same time, I also know that I have taken on less responsibility than you have. Um, like I've been unable to do like show notes and stuff, which we used to split pretty evenly. <laughs> um, and so I'm really grateful for you kind of picking up that slack as I go and learn about contracts. Yeah, I think it became clear like a couple weeks in, you know, we we luckily recorded a bunch of episodes before Simone left for law school so that she could get acclimated and being there um, and see like what the schedule was like. And I think once it became clear how grueling it would be, um, Simone was kind of like, I really don't think I can do, you know, notes for the show each week and the notes for the things that we post on like iTunes or Stitcher, or wherever you get the podcasts and, um, you know, kind of asked if I could help with that. And I was you know, definitely willing to, but I think, um, the distance has definitely required us to, to communicate more and in a different way. And it's hard when it's not in person. Yeah. 
because I think a lot gets lost because sometimes I know, especially like in the middle of finals or just in like exceptionally heavy periods of homework, like I'll get a text message and I'll open it and um, I'll like forget about it. You know what I fucking hate and I fucking wish Apple would come out with a way to do? What? Show a message as unread. What do you mean? Why can you not? I mean, I know that's not what you need, miss 379 unread text messages, but- like for me, like I open a message by accident sometimes and I'm like, this is an important thing that I cannot address right now. I wish I could just like mark as unread, like a fucking email. Right. But I fucking can't. Yeah, it would be nice. I know that we have like the do not disturb message for when you're driving, but it'd be really nice. Can you customize it? I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so like when you put your phone on do not disturb, um, there's a message oh, sometimes that sometimes it it's like, sends. I'm not looking at my phone. I'll respond when I'm not driving. Yeah, exactly. And so I wonder if there's a way to do it like, I'm studying for finals. This week is crazy. Please don't be offended if I don't reply back in a week um, and I'll get back to you when I can. Because I have the same problem literally right now. And this is going to drive some of our fans crazy because I know there, there are some types of people who are okay having unread texts and unread emails on their phone and some people who need it to be like totally organized with zero unread things. But when I look at my phone right now, I have like 300 unread text messages. I did not even know that. And that is still what I said (laughs) five seconds ago. So I'm very proud of how well I know you. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's definitely a problem. It's something I'm working on because I do the same thing. If I'm busy, I'm like, oh, I'm going to leave it unread. So I, you know, don't open it and then forget to respond. And then I'll get to it later, but I don't. I mean, I think this just highlights like what is important in communicating in any kind of relationship, like whether it's romantic or friendship or something else or family. Um, Yeah. Or this weird hybrid, like creative business friendship partnership we've got going on. (laughs) And actually speaking of communication, um, I just did, I'm wondering if I just did the thing that I do. So in our survey, we had a few people talk about how I interrupt too much. Some listeners, and sometimes Nicoletta has also said that I um, interrupt a lot, which has been a really um, interesting experience to go and listen through episodes for where Nicoletta thinks that I may have interrupted a guest um, or her. And it's just been a really interesting way to evaluate my own speaking style. Mm. Um And it's really interesting because I don't, like even a lot of the times, even when Nicoletta points it out, like sometimes they'll be like, oh yeah, that was just fucking rude and I had an idea and I want to say it. But another, like the the, like slutty scholar in me like went back to my linguistics background and I was like, no, this is a thing, this is a thing. And it turns out that like East Coast, specifically New York Jews have what's called high, highly cooperative interventional turn-taking speech patterns. Whoa, so this is like a thing with a name. It's like a thing where high overlap is like considered like highly cooperative and like you, if you wait till somebody is done with their sentence, it makes it seem like you're not participating or actively listening. Mm, that, I'm not saying that justifies my potentially being rude, but it <laughs> explains it. <laughs> well, firstly, I mean, this is coming from like, we were so grateful for all of our listeners who completed the survey. And I hope that one of you uh, from the Pleasure Podcasts the thing that they're doing for the giveaway. I hope that one of our listeners won the award um, or won the prize. It was so, so great to, to, to look through that and look through the feedback that we were getting. Um, but this is something that like Simone and I had talked about before 
Um, and I think we had sort of figured out how to do it better in person because we could look at each other and sort of read each other's body language and cues a little more. I mean, granted, there were still times when like we interrupted out of excitement or out of whatever that scholarly thing you just said I'm was. I'm never excited about anything. What are you talking about? <laughs> and given my background, sometimes I get too therapeutic because I'm so used to like <laughs> listening and making sure to wait for people to be done. So it was like a good, it's a good balance in some ways because um, Simone makes sure to like keep the conversation flowing. And sometimes I'm just like nodding and doing that. Mm-hmm, like, how are you feeling about that? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like, Nicoletta, you're like, mm-hmm, how do you feel about that? And I'm like, can we talk about boning again? Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but since now we're doing uh, the podcast at a distance, I think a distance. A distance. Um, uh, we've had to figure out how to deal with like the interrupting and the communication from afar because we can't see each other and there's a delay. Like right now we use an app called Ringer. And so there's a, we calculated there's like a one, 1,000, two, 1,000 delay um, in us talking to each other. And so it's really hard, especially when you add a guest that like isn't used to you um, to figure out like when to respond and to keep the conversation flowing at the same time um, as not interrupting. Yeah, because we don't want to give our dear listeners any of those dead spaces lest you think it, the episode's over. Or boring. And miss all the goodies. <laughs> how, how was it for Have you to get that? we talked about enough sex that, stuff so oh, far? Enough sex stuff? I don't know. Should we talk about that? What were you going to ask me? Maybe well, more sex yeah, stuff I was gonna, later. I was going to say what it was like for you to get that feedback from other listeners. See, this is you doing, <laughs> this is literally the therapist, what we were just talking the about where I want to talk about voting. Okay, how about um, you answer that and then we'll talk about sex. <laughs> okay, fine. Um, so it was interesting. I mean, first of all, I was extremely grateful that people actually cared enough to share their feelings on it. And bear in mind, this was probably only like 4% of our respondees said something explicit about that. But, you know, we do, we did, I read all of the, um, all of the results. And so when I noticed something in particular that came up, I really did pay attention to it. And so, I mean, at first, like, I felt really bad and, like, sad because it just, like, hurt my feelings, which was, like, a weird thing because mm -hmm. people were just, like, giving of their time to tell us how they could make something better. But I have this, like, weird thing where I, like, always want everybody to like me even though I'm also kind of like, fuck you, I don't give a shit. Um, I also, like, have, like, childhood trauma of, like, every girl in my second grade class, like, getting together and having a sleepover and making a things we don't like about Simone box where they all wrote things that they didn't like about me in a shoebox. Oh, um, really? Who the fuck spends time Have on I never that? told you this Girls story? are so mean. Isn't that so whack? Yeah, we. Ha I had a similar equivalent of, like, there were these um, three girls and their initials happened to be KKK. <laughs> and, and they were... Like, yeah, um, they were just so clicky and so mean. Um, and, you know, I would come home and like cry every day. And it was just like my goal to impress them to the point where like I would invite them to like in the limo for my birthday party at medieval times or like whatever. And like not my actual friends. And they like still wouldn't care about me. It was so hurtful and lame. Oh, that is really hurtful. But, like, also, why was your birthday at Medieval Times? Um, have you ever been to Medieval Times? No, I have not. <gasps> How dare you? 
Well, we can go when you come visit. I got <laughs> it, a discount coupon for there. Orange it's Six in Los Flags Angeles. yesterday. Do you think they have a medieval times in New York? Do they? I know for a fact they do because I went to Six Flags in Jackson, New Jersey on Sunday. And when I went in, because I want to use go to Six Flags there before my season pass expired for the year, um, they gave me a discount card for medieval times. Oh, fuck. Okay. All right. All right. Yes, we'll do it. Maybe we'll do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt the same way. I think it's interesting, though, that like, yes, there were some responses that said that and gave us some other constructive criticism. And it was super helpful, maybe hard to hear at first, but also we wanted that. And on the other yes, hand, please there were, don't stop. Yes, please don't stop giving us constructive criticism. But on the other hand, there was so much more uh, support and warmth um, and so many responses. And actually, when I sent, uh, so we're part of this collective, as we've talked about, called The Pleasure Podcast. So it consists um, of us, Sex Talk With My Mom, um, Holly Randall Unfiltered, uh, I think Pleasure Mechanics, Tristan Taramino, um, American Sex Sunny Podcast. Megatron's Pegasus, American Sex Pod. Yeah, exactly. So there, there's some great ones in there. But I think even out of the ones that have a larger listenership than we do, we had some of the most responses. Like Cam, really? yeah, Cam, who runs Sex Talk with my mom, was like, "How did you get so many responses?" Oh my gosh! Yes, I know. So that makes I, up for anything that I may have felt bad about. <laughs> no, but you know, I think you know, it's Nicoletta, good to be challenged. All I ever want to be told. I let me let me say, say what I guess you were gonna say. You were gonna say okay. all you ever want is to be told you're a good girl. Oh my god! Am I right? <laughs> You know me so well. (laughs) Because I feel like I've heard you say that before. Um, But I just want to say, like, before we talk about sex stuff, that it's interesting that we... We don't have to talk about sex stuff. Oh, we should. Um, But that it's interesting (laughs) that we, you know, it's just so natural to focus on the constructive criticism, whereas we had, like, hundreds of responses of the great things and, like, a handful of responses of constructive criticism or a combination of both. Um, It's always easy to focus on, like, the parts that don't feel as good. Well, yeah, but I also feel like, I don't think I was necessarily personally focusing on it because it didn't feel good. To me, there's also an element of, I want to focus on the things that like should change, right? Um, like if something, someone loves something, then you don't really need to change it. But if someone, if there's like a recurring issue, then like that should be looked at. So that is what you should pay attention to. Yeah, no, I just know in my life, like if there's something that I, you know, if I got a bunch of A's in school and one B, I'd be like, how come I got that B? Or if I had- Oh my God, really? I'd be like, I'm such a fucking goddess with all these A's. Really? I mean, it's, I think it depends like on the context, but, or like if I had 10 good clients in one day and like one session that didn't go so well, I'd be focusing sometimes on the one session and feeling like, oh, maybe I'm not that good of a therapist. <laughs> that reminds me of my breakup with my therapist. Oh, do you want to talk about that? I just, I broke up with my, I was seeing a therapist. It was a male therapist for the first time. And he was like really heavily into like psychodynamic stuff and was having me dredge up shit. Like the second grade, everything we don't, everything we hate about Simone box. Mm -hmm. And I was like getting so sad about going to therapy because I would always be like, bringing up these like painful stuff to like heal through and process. And I was like, I'm a one L at NYU. I just need someone to give me an action plan. And he was like, well, I'm not going to give you advice. And I was like, no. Mm, Yeah. Therapy is hard. It was hard. I know. And I know, and I do want to do that work. And I do want to be like 
a good, better person, like, and delving into my whatever traumas and yada, yada, yada. But I also, like, am, like, you know, I'm scared that someday I will have a nervous breakdown. I just want to have a support system in place. Yes. I mean, I think that's, it's just important to find the right kind of therapist for you. So, because there's so many different kinds. Like you said, maybe now you were looking for someone who's does more CBT, which is not cock and ball torture. It's cognitive behavioral Sadly. therapy, which is like, you know, a little more action plan, a little more short term, a little more present. Yeah, we talked more DBT, which is like dialectical behavior therapy, which is literally just being told what to do, which is we all know I fucking love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, DBT is like a cognitive type of therapy, but then psychodynamic is more like, yeah, like what you were saying, like you come in and you talk about more about your feelings and where those came from and your family of origin and like how you're holding and processing trauma from past relationships in your current life. Like I have some clients that I do more of that with and I feel like they come in and they're like, I really like you and I like seeing you, but like I hate coming here <laughs> because it's so hard sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Wait, you're also like a fucking certified therapist now, which you weren't when we started the podcast. Yes. I am now a licensed marriage family therapist in the state of California. Um, woo, woo. Took 3,000 hours. What, what other things have changed since we started the podcast? For me or for you? Just in general. Um, I feel like it's been a rough couple months. I don't know what is going on in the world or the universe, but it's been like one tragedy after another um, in my personal and, and family life. But the one upside has mm. been getting licensed. So as a result of that, I now get to take the full fee. I don't have to split it with my supervisor, which is great. I get to oh, charge more. Nice. Yeah, I get to charge more and increase my prices a little bit. Um, I still work on a sliding scale, which means I try to be understanding and you know allow folks to come in who can't afford my full fee price. Um, and then so I, nice. I have two offices now that I, I rent both of them, so I, they're not mine. So that I haven't decorated them myself, but I, I'll like put a little crystal or like something just to like try to own the space. <laughs> something lame. Um, yes, yes, I know me and my crystals. Um, but I have one office in Hollywood and one office in Beverly Hills, which makes me feel really fancy. I mean, you are like the LA, the LA therapist, like stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many of us. I want to stand out. <laughs> Well, you don't go west of the 405, so I guess that's special. Yeah, well, who wants to go west of the 405? Just kidding. Um, but in terms of what else is new, I, I still have a partner. It's been like two and a half years now. But you were just started dating when we started. Had we just started? Was I even together with him? We started in like April of, holy fucking shit, 2016? Wow. No, 2017, 2017. Oh, yeah. I'm not good with dates either. I don't remember dates, but happy anniversary nonetheless. Um, yeah, so that's, that's, yeah. still, that's still going on um, and it's going well, I think. And, you know, it's getting, it's Bumble getting real. success story, bitches. Yes. We tell people we met on Ancestry.com, <laughs> <laughs> which is not so true. Good. Uh, people that know us obviously know it was Bumble, but like when we meet a stranger, we think it's really funny to say that we met on Ancestry.com. Like, you know, how you I can um, so connect with connect with family and, um, you know, we just found out we were related and we just hit it off. <laughs> well, I do know at least 
two people who have found out that their fathers aren't their fathers from 23andMe. Just throwing that out there. Interesting. Yeah, I'm sure that's the thing that happens. Which is, you know, surprisingly common and like also totally fine. There's actually, if that did happen to you, there's like, if you're listeners, then there's like a lot of support groups online for this because it's actually a pretty common occurrence, interestingly enough. Yeah. And not that they're not their fathers, that they're not their like biological sperm donor. Your father is the person who raised you, obviously. Yeah. You, um, you know, the thing that's been interesting, I mean, let's, as we transition to, to sex, um, I think the thing that's been interesting is having... Um, similar experiences as clients or as my clients do and like hearing their experience of it and having to go through that and do the work myself, which is a pretty common thing. Uh, But especially when it comes to like a long-term monogamist or monogamish relationship, um, dealing with that sort of struggle between like the Esther Perel mating in captivity, which if you haven't read that book, you should. Um, But the balance between like comfort and stability and eroticism and like, how hard it is to work for things to stay sexy over time. Yeah. I don't so know. That, I'm just yeah, saying, yeah, I don't really know much about that. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you know much about that? <laughs> Tell me more. Because <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I've ever gotten sexually bored with someone. How? What's the longest you've been with somebody, though, like as an adult? I mean, on and off, like five years. Okay, but on and off, I think, can create its own, like, excitement. But what about okay, like fine. straight on staying together? At least a year. Yeah. I think. I don't know. It was so it was so complicated. It's hard to keep track. It's yeah. funny because we were just we just re, we just like re-released that episode with Pan. Right. But that's the thing. I think the instability makes things sexy. And so when you have yeah. the stability, it takes away the sexy sometimes, a lot of the times. Yeah, and also when you're like not really dating, you don't see each other so much. Right. Exactly. You're just like, we get together once or twice or three times a week and we fuck. <laughs> yeah. And also see movies. Yeah. But both well, have Speaking of the pan episode, something that's changed since we recorded that, it was so surreal kind of um, re-listening to it because I refer to myself as this straight girl. Mm. In yeah. it. Which was like a really weird, jarring... Um, like, like label to hear myself saying, because like, I only, I guess kind of came out like a year and a half ago and. And well, for of, like, people active, who don't yeah. know, what do you come out as? Like, how do you identify now? Well, I think I'm technically omnisexual, which is like not a surprise. It just means I like everything. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I also really like queer I don't like bisexual because I really just don't like supporting the binary like in its label. Like I understand what it means, but I think that there's like other words and so I don't feel the need to identify as bisexual. Mm-hmm. Um but I like I like queer, I like I like pan, I like omni. It's so funny um, that that episode was called Pan. <laughs> I know. I know that is funny. What a prediction of the future things to come. Not his real name. <laughs> what? I said it was such a prediction of things to come, literally. Well, he picked it himself. Remember, he was like, I want to be called Pan. I, yeah, I think before <laughs> I was like, he okay, came you up fucking with some weird Greek man. Yeah, I think he came up with some, like, what was the other one that was some, like, I was going to say Aphrodite, but that's wrong. Oh, wasn't <laughs> like, it like Zeus. Zeus or some shit? Yeah, Zeus. Zeus. That's so Did ridiculous. Did he want to be Zeus? Yeah, that's just too much. Oh, my gosh. 
Love him. Love him. Hey, listeners, it's Nicoletta. We're going to take a quick break from our episode just to tell you a little bit about our sponsor and offer you an amazing discount code for more goodies. Lola is a female-founded company who originally created a super popular line of organic cotton tampons, pads, liners, and all-natural cleansing wipes. They still have those awesome products, but now they also have sex products made with vaginas in mind. Lola's products are 100% natural and have no mystery ingredients. One of the many cool things about Lola is that it comes with a customizable subscription delivered to your door. Lola has a period subscription for all things menstruation and a Sex by Lola subscription, which includes things like condoms and lube. I personally got really tired of using plain, dry, scratchy paper towels to wipe up fluids after sex. But the individually packaged cleansing wipes by Lola, which are made from 100% bamboo, are perfect for my nightstand and sexy time on the go. I hope that you'll join me in caring about what you put in and on your body by checking out what Lola has to offer. For 40% off all subscriptions, visit mylola.com, M-Y-L-O-L-A.com, and enter promo code S and S, S-A-N-D-S, when you subscribe. Let us know what you think of the products and which is your fave. So how's your, how's your life been since feeling the omni-queer sexuality? It's been, it's been really amazing. Um, it's been really interesting. I feel like I've like grown a lot and thought about, and thought about my own sexuality, which was really interesting. And well, I think really kind of doing this podcast has had such an impact on how I view my own sexuality in that, um, getting to talk with so many people about their various preferences and kinks and quirks and issues and desires has just been so eye-opening because, you know, you and I really come at it from a pretty, you know, non-judgmental, open-hearted point of view where I'm kind of like, yeah, just tell me about your thing. Like, the less I know about it, from the get-go, the better, like in a weird way, like the weirder, the better, but not to place a value judgment on it. And so getting to hear people who are comfortable enough to talk about that stuff on a podcast has like made me become more comfortable with engaging with those parts of my brain and heart and like groin um, (laughs) that maybe I didn't acknowledge before. Does it ever make you feel the pressure that you're like supposed to be more sexually active or kinkier than you are? Because I have a sex podcast? Yeah. Because I think people assume certain things about me as a sex therapist. um, And uh, some of them are probably true. But (laughs) I think they may assume certain things about my sex life or about partnerships um, that like may be an exaggeration. (laughs) I mean, send me a message of what they are and maybe I'll verify. (laughs) <laughs> that would be a fun Insta story we can post. Like, what do you think our kinks are? Though I feel like we've been pretty upfront about it. We've been clear about some of them. Yeah, we've been clear about some of them. No, I don't feel like it makes me have to have, like, it doesn't feel like I, I'm forced to be more sexual. It's been really interesting about when I choose to disclose it to, like, new partners or lovers. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's not something that I'm ashamed of or really secretive about at all. But I do say like a lot of stuff about 
you know, my, not only like my journey into queerness, but also just like sex things that maybe I wouldn't tell somebody on the first or second date. Um, why I wouldn't tell them, I'm not sure, but there's still like that little moment of like, oh my gosh, I have the sex podcast. Am I going to tell them? And often Especially when I do- Especially at a conservative law school. Yeah, but I haven't really been dating people from law school. No, I just meant like in terms of telling people. You know, like sharing Yeah, it has that. been really interesting to tell people in law school. People have finally, people have started listening to it. Um, and I've gotten positive feedback, which is pretty cool. There's this like weird part of me that's terrified that like someone is going to like use it against me. Like that I will have said something like outrageous or that's like very um, insane if taken out of context or maybe just insane as it actually is. Because sometimes I do say things that I don't always remember. <laughs> um, and that it's going to like come back to haunt me in like 15 years when I'm like trying to, you know, dismantle oppression. Yeah, I mean, I wish I could say that that's not a valid fear, but it is. <laughs> No, I mean, like, chances are everything will be fine, but we do live in a society where people judge you. I mean, that's the whole reason we do this podcast. And I think it's definitely yeah. changing over time, um, especially in, like, a, you know, after, I guess, or still during the Me Too movement and all that, but things are changing. But it is, you know, we, we live in somewhat liberal areas of the of the country and of the world, but obviously that's not true everywhere. So I do know that I feel more comfortable telling certain people. Like I went back to my high school recently, which was like an Episcopalian school. But the person I was meeting with, uh, it's mostly full of Jewish people, which is funny. Um, but they kind of celebrate all religions. But the person I went and was visiting with, um, I think identifies as Christian and is somewhat religious. And they were asking me about what I do now. And I, I share the podcast with everyone, but then they're like, oh, I want to listen to it. What's it called? And I notice a, a fear and a hesitation of saying sluts and scholars. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I noticed that same thing too. Like I had an interview with um, a prominent uh, civil liberties organization to do an internship with them this summer. And I mentioned my podcast, the podcast on my resume, but not by name. And then they're like, your podcast sounds really cool. Let's talk about it. And then I start talking about it. And then I like realize that I haven't said the name and I've like consciously avoided saying it. And I'm like, oh, and it's called Sluts and Scholars. But blah, blah, blah. And I like hyper intellectualized it, which I mean, I think is just like, part of the job interview and yeah. then they were like oh that sounds really cool we can't wait to listen and I was like uh or don't <laughs> and they were like what and I was like well you just might find out things about me that I don't know if that's professional I don't and I like kind of like flubbed and it was just like a weird moment uh what yeah what were you worried weird, they were what were you worried they were gonna think about you I don't I'm just like I really I really like love myself and I really love you and I really love our podcast and I really love the guests we've had and I really love like the candid conversations we've been able to have with each other and with our guests and it like makes me so sad that there's still like this like I, I know that this is something that like some people think is bad. I yeah. know that. Yeah. And kind of caving to that fear in any way frustrates me so much, but it's also true. And I recognize yeah. myself doing it. So it's so weird. Yeah, no, I, f I feel similarly. Have you even been able to like do a lot of sex stuff at law school? I feel like it's, there's so much work. How do you make the time to like explore your sexuality your first year in law school? <laughs> 
I mean, <laughs> I think you make, it depends. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's hard. I know for, I know for, I know for me when I'm um, really busy, I at least try to make time for like self-pleasure. Oh yeah. I, I have, uh, so Nicoletta gifted me the womanizer for my birthday, I think two years ago. You're and she has been my trusty steed. <laughs> so we joke because it's sort of like we're together, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> even if we can't talk or we can't communicate and, and Simone and I, you know, are not sexual partners, but in a way we kind of are. <laughs> in a way we kind of are. I mean, we've definitely seen each other do sex things. We just like haven't really done them. And like, we just really haven't done them with each other, which is funny. Yeah. But we, we have like a partnership in another way. Like, I I kind of like the idea of broadening the definition of polyamory um, to mm. make it to make it a little more accessible for everyone because I think we all engage in polyamory, like whether we're not maybe having sex with all the different people, but like I have my yeah. primary partner, but I also have friends that I get stuff from that I maybe don't get from my primary partner. Um, that I have a closeness mm. with and a love and an intimacy with. And it's important to like spend time and energy on those relationships. And like, there's lots of them. And sleep in the nude. Yeah, and sleep in the nude. Uh, Simone <laughs> makes fun of me because I love using the word nude. So like when I... Oh my God, my contracts professor said the funniest thing. He was like, the, he, I think it was my contracts professor. Anyway, one of my professors said, um, the difference between nude and naked is... They're the same thing, but when you're naked, you're up to something. <laughs> naked. Or something. I'm not saying it as well, but it was very funny. And I immediately thought of you, Nicoletta. I think I probably texted you about it. Yeah. No, I never say like nude when it's happening in a sexy time. I'm not like, I'm going to get nude. <laughs> oh, I literally just found the text that I sent you on Thursday, November 29th. It says, OMG, my contracts professor just said, being nude is having no clothes on. Being naked is being up to something with no clothes on. Love you, my nudie friend. I think that's true. I agree with that. I got it yeah. from, um, it was from college. My um, my friend actually, who has since passed away, uh, rest in peace, Atticus Anderson. He was he was my first friend at, at Stanford. If you didn't know, I went to Stanford. <laughs> <laughs> Dumb um, slut. I know. Um, and we used to watch this, um, these clips from the Tim and Eric Awesome show, which if you haven't seen, you should, but it's with uh, Eric Warheim and I forgot Tim's last name. Sorry. Um, but there's this I one. I thought it was just and Eric. Yeah. There's this one called like the, um, the Cinco urinal shower where they're like showing that you can take a shower with the urinal. Like, um, and the guy's like describing how to do it. And he's like describing the steps and he says, and then I get nude. And so ever <laughs> since then, nude. <laughs> <laughs> Again, just watch it. Okay, love, you have to be there. I'll never forget one of the first time um, we had a sleepover, and you were like, "Is it okay if I sleep in the nude?" And I was like, <laughs> "Oh my god, yes!" Because all of my, like, a lot of my really good friends, like, hate that when I have sleepovers, I like don't wear my underwear because I was taught like never to sleep with underwear. My mom always told me my vagina needs to breathe. Yes, and agreed. So I it's do so uncomfortable. Not ever sleep with underwear. And a lot of my friends are like, um, can you wear underwear? And I'm like, my poor pussy. Interesting. Why do you think they were uncomfortable with it? Because they wear underwear. And they're just like, I don't want to wake up with your like pussy in my face. 
which has never happened <laughs> You're with like, the two because, of us. Yes, when we have a sleepover, I inadvertently sit on people's faces. That's how I sleep. <laughs> That's what I my cat know. does. I, mean, I, think, I, think, I think it's kind of like what you, it's like what what does? That's what my cat does. I think so. That's what Pat does, who is a friend of ours. And I was like, <laughs> no, Pat does not sit on my face. <laughs> um, but um, no, I actually think it actually probably ties into our kind of inherent eroticization of nudity. Like for some people, like being naked is inherently a sexual thing. Um, and it's just not for me. I've heard different descriptions. I did a training recently with the Sexual Health Alliance um, where we had Dr. Chris Donahue speak, and he says naked is always sexual. Um, right, and I disagree with him fundamentally on that. We talked yeah. about that in our episode with him. Yeah, it's so I don't know. It's so interesting. I think I honestly do think that it's in part because he, although like an extremely sexy man, like Chris Donahue is fucking hot. Um, yeah. I don't think he's ever been objectified when he didn't want to be objectified. Like, I don't mm, oh think yeah, he's that's ever what we been put in a situation podcast. that was sexual where he didn't want it to be sexual. Um, and so I know personally, like, growing up, especially as, like, a young woman, like, when I was, like, 13, 14, 12, like, I was, and even, like, still fucking now, you know? Yeah. Like, old 28-year-old. Um, like, sometimes I don't want to be sexualized, and that could include being yeah. one naked, and I want to decide if and when that's sexual. And so I, think I guess I that's have tough. A much that's tough stake. though, because you can't control someone else's thoughts. Like you can, you can maybe you can ask control, them not like, to the verbally express it. Right, right, but that doesn't mean they're not looking at you with a sexual desire. Well, I mean, everybody looks at me with a sexual desire, and <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. It's different than them expressing it out loud. Yeah. But I deserve to have the ability to not know about it. Mm. Or yeah, does that does that. that make a difference? Like, do what is it better to like, like if you want to fuck me, should you not tell me so I think you're actually interested in like my brain? Mm. I don't Ooh. know because I would still want to. I would want to know. Maybe they don't have to say like when I first meet them. Like, well, I guess it depends on the context. Like, if it's a sex party and someone comes up and expresses sexual interest, then like, yeah, that's welcome. <laughs> Duh. I don't know. But I know I'm just like thinking about the instances in like my professional life, like especially like back in my acting days. Um, oh, yeah. Let me, can I give you two examples that just happened to me that made please. me so angry? Okay. So one was I, um, I do pole dancing for, fit, for fitness. Um, Are you doing it again? Yes, I am doing it again. That's a new oh thing, God. I guess. I used to do that. Um, I like to do active things that like are also fun. Um, so nature and pole dancing are things that I like, but, um, I was at a class, but I was wearing like a sweatshirt and sweats over what I was wearing. And so I wasn't like in a, you know, the outfit that I would be wearing in the class. And I went into like a Seven Eleven or something to get a water before class. And I was checking out and the guy kind of gave me the, like the up down, like I already felt the eyes on me, which felt uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and he was like, he said something like, Hey, sexy when he was ringing me up or like, you look sexy. And I lost my shit. I was so, I don't know what was going on that day or if this is just how I respond now, but I was so mad. I was like, I said, um, I said, you don't get to call me that. Um, and he was like, so should I call you ugly? 
And I was like, uh, you should call me nothing. I'm just here to buy a water and I don't need you to speak to me about my appearance or anything like that. And he was like, what's your fucking problem? The guy who worked <gasps> the store, he was like, what's your fucking problem? And I was like, I was like, you're my problem. You're supposed to ring me up. I'm a customer. I don't need you making comments about my body. You have no right to. And then I was like, do you own this store? I'm going to call your... <laughs> like, I went into a bit of a, a tirade, a which is probably yeah, not helpful. But then it happened again around where I work. So one of my offices is in a predominantly Orthodox Jewish neighborhood. And there's this one Orthodox guy. And he said the same thing to me before, but I didn't respond the first time. And he like walks around the neighborhood and his spiel is he'll come up and he'll say, tell your husband he has a beautiful wife. Or he'll say, tell your husband uh, he is very lucky. And he's come up to me a few times when I'm walking to lunch or to get my nails done. (laughs) Um, And so one time I didn't, one time I ignored him. One time I think I was at lunch and I was like, thanks, because I was so caught off guard. And then he did it again. And I like, and he did it in such a way it was like getting dark out and he like blocked my path of walking to get my attention because I wasn't responding to him, uh, which is like very aggressive behavior. Even though like I wasn't worried he was actually going to do anything, it was like an aggressive move. And I was like, you need to cut this shit out. I was like, you cannot go up to strangers and keep saying this. It's not a compliment. I don't want to hear it. You better not come up to me ever again. (laughs) I walked away. And have you seen him since? No, not yet, but I'll keep you posted. Oh my God. Yeah. That's crazy. So the- yeah. I, I've like, I like started losing my shit now at um, like wolf whistlers and cat collars. Uh, like I, I, I was in, I was like standing. I, I, it doesn't even fucking matter what I was wearing, but like there was this like old, old man like driving like a like a town car like a private black town car and he like his window is open and he sees me and I don't I can't remember if he like whistles or he like stuck out his tongue or like he just did something lewd and objectifying and I went you're fucking disgusting (laughs) (laughs) and you know what what he fucking smiled Really? And continue driving. And that I mean, yeah, I, cannot, I guess I'm not that surprised. I can imagine. In the first yeah. place. Like he wanted like, to get a rise out of you. Like him not being deeply ashamed of his behavior hurt more. Interesting. It's such a catch-22. I mean, not literally a catch-22, but it's such a challenge because... Right, like what if they want to get a rise out of you? Should you not respond? No, I mean, I always respond now unless I like really feel like my safety is in danger. I mm-hmm. often will just give the thing, like the finger or like, because sometimes they're just going by so quickly in their cars. And I'm just like, fuck you. I don't know. It's, I'm like going about my day as a human. And then I have to be reminded that like, no, I am a, like, I am an object. Like I, my existence is for their like sexual and aesthetic pleasure. It's like, doesn't fucking matter that I am like going to the library to, you know, fucking at one of the best law schools in the country. I I mean, regardless of like where I am in this like academic socioeconomic strata, like sphere, I don't know. I'm just so mad about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely, I mean, I check people out, you know, I mean, I try not to like obviously look at people and make them feel uncomfortable. But like if I see a person or a thing that's attractive to me, like- 
I look and I have thoughts about it. Um, I'm trying to think of like when I say something and when I don't. And I know there's a difference because maybe how I'm presenting and my gender um, and a power yeah. thing that I carry and obviously where I give a compliment. Um, Cause I'm sure I've made people uncomfortable. I too. will give compliments to men who I think are very beautiful and typically only if I perceive them as queer. Why do you think that feels more comfortable? Well, because I think if they're like obviously, and obviously this is making drawing like tons of assumptions about people. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just thinking about like, when do I make comments? It's if I perceive that the person I'm making the comment to is not sexually attracted to me, mm. then I feel comfortable doing it. Yeah. Well, I and, like, encourage our listeners. Know. Yeah. What? I said I encourage our listeners to like comment or DM us or hit us up and tell us like yeah. if and when you've been on the receiving end and like to what extent it was a compliment or aggressive and like what your preferences are because I'm sure it's different for everyone because I can I can say I'm biased like if a hot guy that I could potentially or a hot girl that I could potentially be interested in was a little bit more forward with a compliment for me I might like it versus if yeah. someone who I, like you said, like the old guy in the car said the same thing, I might be bothered, which is like right. sort of unfair to the person giving it, it because, it's, because saying it's saying assuming... like, oh, only if you're hot, can you like objectify me? Right. But also kind of true. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, I'm like pointing that maybe out, it, but it's maybe, interesting. Maybe it has to do with like the fairness. Like only if you're someone that I would objectify, are you allowed to objectify me? Maybe it's that. But how are like they maybe supposed that's what to feels know? so unfair. Right. Is that I wouldn't like when I'm objectified by people that I am not interested in objectifying, it feels really unfair because I don't think objectification is like inherently bad. Mm -hmm. Objectification isn't inherently awful. And you can have like you can love being objectified. Yeah. Cause I like it if I'm like planning for it. I don't know. I think it's a, it's an ongoing thing that I that I'm still developing. Oh my God. Do not Google, I love being objectified because you get some weird fucking men's rights shit. Uh, Sexual objectification is what women really want on reborn masculinity. Return uh, of kings. Women will never admit that they love being mistreated. Oh my God. What does it say? Women never admit that they love being mistreated? Yeah. And, and then I don't know what the rest says, but I'm clicking. And objectified. And, oh yeah, that's some like, uh, what's that thing of terrible men that can't get sex? Oh, incels. By, not, but not by their choice. Incels. Yeah, it sounds like some incel shit. Incels. But I can't, I think it's important celibates. that we have these conversations because it's not... I think some folks would argue that it's black and white. I don't see it as black and white. No, I mean, I think, I think there is like very much a gray area where sometimes it's okay and sometimes it's not. And how do we navigate that? And it all ties into like our culture of consent and how we feel comfortable expressing sexual desire and sexuality, which is kind of the entire fucking premise of our fucking podcast, Nicoletta. Yes. Well, we do have to wrap up this episode, but this has been so great. We should do this more often. Yeah, wrap it up with a condom. Sure. Do you like <laughs> well, that joke? Yes. A condom from one of our past guests' companies or oh one of God, our sustain. sponsors, like Lola. Oh, yeah. You said you really like the sustain condoms. Have you tried? I really I haven't tried like the sustain condom. How was like, it? Rarely am I like, oh, that was a great condom. <laughs> But I was. How was it? 
Very nice. <laughs> what did you like Very about nice. it? Very nice. Very nice. What did you like about good. it? It just okay. felt good. Oh, I'm, I'm happy for you. Thank you. Um, I just put it on my finger. Oh. Just so, kidding. Just kidding. Oh. That was a joke. <laughs> I love that you were I like, like oh, okay. I didn't like want to make a judgment about it, but I was judging that. <laughs> I mean, of course you can use them on your fingers, but I was like, well, you didn't, like, did, okay. <laughs> like, when you, you told Sometimes me you tried it, I thought of ourselves. more was happening. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> Speaking of, so do you have any hot because, teachers? No. I mean, yes. Well, the two male professors I had this semester were not hot, but the one female professor I had was hot because she was like, A, beautiful, but also be like the best person in the world. mm yeah, I've been I've been yeah. watching too much Gilmore Girls, which I kind of hate myself for, but I've just been rewatching and getting to the part where one of the girls in it is having an affair with the the teacher, Professor been there, Asher Fleming. Done that. <laughs> anyway, um, don't need to do that in law school. I'm focused on my academics. I already had yes, my undergraduate dalliances. Dalliance. Um, well, we we love on you, that listeners. Note, yes, we love you, listeners, Nicoletta. Yes. I love you. Oh, Simone, I love you too. And I miss you. And I'm glad we could do this while you're in Paris. Yeah. It's been such a fucking joy to get to speak to all these wonderful people. And I love, love, love when our listeners respond and tell us what they think and give us ideas for guests. It's my fave to like learn about yes. really cool people. Yeah, some of anyway, our best. As- we've had amazing guests, but some of our amazing conversations have been like listener um initiated. So thank you for all those listeners who have helped connect us with some cool guests. Um, and one of the other feedbacks that I think we got, um, is to include more people of color. And so if you have other folks of color or, um, other minority sexualities, um, that you would recommend or that you know of, um, please let us know because we do want to make sure to include that. And we are aware that we're white and a lot of the people that maybe we know or have interviewed are white and we could always do a better job of um, yeah. being more inclusive. Yeah, this is not something that has only just come up through feedback and we're not, me- I, I feel almost bad that we're like mentioning this at the end because it's very much not an afterthought. Um, yes. We are Correct. constantly try- trying to elevate and amplify uh, voices of folks of color and um, we know that's probably one of the things we need to work on the hardest and we are trying, um, but get at us if you want to talk. Yeah. We will listen. We'll talk, about, we'll talk about that more in depth on our next Just Me and Simone podcast. Anyway, uh, if you want to keep connecting with us off the pod, of course, follow us on Insta at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Sluts Scholars, and we love when you email us at slutsandscholars at gmail.com. Au revoir. Bye. Bye.